1: And welcome to the program. Tonight, my special guest is Alexander Poster. The title of his new chapbook is A Refuse for Those Who Like Sad Endings. A beautiful, beautiful title. He's also looking for a publisher. So if you know one, let's talk. All right. If you are a publisher, let's talk because we're ready. Alexander, how are you, sir? Yes, I'm doing great this Uh, evening. Fantastic. Let's begin our poetic journey together, all right? All right. (laughs) All right. What I want to know from you first, my friend, is what is poetry to you? Uh, To me,
0: and I've heard a lot of different definitions, but to me, uh, poetry is the best distillation or purification of an emotion or an idea that you're trying to express, almost like a crystallization uh, that uh, uh, you've kind of uh, uh, boiled off everything else and what's left is uh, poetry. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the most succinct way to say that, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's... uh, uh, uh uh the 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 most pure uh uh and uh the most distilled kind of uh if prose is uh you know twenty proof poetry is like a hundred proof so to speak
1: mm. share that one more time the the very last part what did you say uh
0: well if uh prose is uh twenty proof if it's a Budweiser, oh, right, right? Uh, then uh, poetry is a hundred, it's a
1: hundred, too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's what
0: it's-
2: I thought you said. <laughs> yes, I didn't want to hear yeah. it
1: <laughs> I like that. Okay, now we know what it is. Why do you think it's important? Why is it important? <laughs>
0: uh, po- poetry is important because it's all around us, and I think it's around us to the extent that, uh, people, uh, uh, don't notice it. Um, mm. I mean, you mentioned, or, or one mentions poetry and one thinks of a radio show like this, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, anytime you listen to a commercial, anytime, time uh, 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 uh you, you hear a phrase, uh, from a politician, there's poetry in it, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, some of it is is not very good. Some of it's not inspired. Some of it is, and uh, this is a fictional example, but I'll give it. Uh, if you watch All right. the show, yes. the show Mad, the show Mad Men, which which uh, you know was uh, about advertising, the character Don Draper is mm-hmm. uh trying to sell a slide projector and i mean it's just a slide projector it's no different than any others but he presents it as a carousel of memories and it's uh you know that's such a wonderful metaphor and uh, you know you have all of this stuff around you all day every day uh you know, people writing poetry as copy, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, people are poets, and they might not even be aware of it. So mm-hmm. it's something that's just in your environment uh, that's all around you. And uh, that's mm-hmm. why
1: people should care, because it's part
0: wow. of their lives, whether they know it or not.
1: Wow. I like that. I like that, Alexander. As you think Thank about you. your body of work, your manuscript, your book, what are some of the predominant themes? Okay, so for a
0: refuge uh, uh, for those who like sad endings, uh, uh, the predominant theme, although there were other themes, the predominant theme was uh, mortality. Um, mm. uh, you know, this was written during the COVID-19 pandemic uh uh there was a lot of insta- uh political instability and uh you know uh I did a lot of maybe you could say <laughs> nasal gazing but you know uh existential contemplating about of uh, you know what was going to happen, how things were going to happen. And uh, you know, that's what I put down on the page. Uh, and i mean uh if you think about the two most important events in most pers- in, in in the life of most people i mean it's birth and death so it is mm. kind of uh a, a, a kind of universal uh so um that's what the chat book's focused on um uh otherwise I, I you know I do focus more broadly. Um I write uh uh the uh the poems have a political angle. Uh mm-hmm. uh there's a bunch about COVID. Um I mean uh to uh uh, uh, uh to just be honest, I've yet been in the thick of it. Uh, uh you know, I live one mile from the US Capitol. Um, I heard the flashbangs on January sixth. Um uh, oh, wow. you know, uh yeah, there were Trump supporters uh, you know, running down my street. It was and I mm. am and, and, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because it was fricking terrifying, man. Yeah. Um uh that, you know, I was glued to my phone texting my friends. Uh, getting updates on Twitter minute by minute, it, it's not something I want to relive. I got COVID, it was Omicron, but it was unpleasant. So, uh, so you know, some of the events of uh, that are gloomy in the chat book are things that have kind of happened to me, and uh, you know, writing about them served as a bit of a catharsis, honestly.
1: Very nice. I appreciate your sharing. So what I'd like you to do at this point is share a poem. Okay.
0: So um, I guess the first poem I'll share is Thanksgiving Morning Thoughts About Death. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, that's a bright, cheery title, but uh, mm-hmm. it's the first one in the chat book. And um, uh, I guess I'll just go ahead with it. Yes. So, I often wonder when I will die. I think it has to do with objects and my kinship with them. One time, my wife lost her blanket. She was swaddled in it as an infant. When we left the hotel room, I told her we had it with us. I thought we did, but I was in a hurry. I can't think about that blanket stranded in the wilderness and my wife's incandescent round tears without it being a watershed moment of remorse. I think about the time I yelled at her when she wore an efflorescent blouse, pink with roses and butterflies. She never wore it again. No balm in Gilead, no sinner's cure, Including her reassurance that a baby puked on it has maybe has made me remember it without contrition. There are so many places I will not go and people I will not see. Charles Bronson once said responsibility is a big rock that weighs a ton and it bends you until it finally buries you. I have no idea if he is right. He yelled that at some children on a Hollywood set. But I don't think he wanted to go back to that set after all his caterwauling. I'm not crazy. I know every crazy person says that. But just maybe you die when there is nothing left to swaddle you and no place to go for asylum, whether your heart stirs or not. Charles Bronson died at eighty-one years after he had stopped visiting familiar places. His hip replaced by a rock of scrap metal, and that's uh, that's it.
1: What is the purpose of that poem, Alexander? Tell me more about it. Um, it's. It, it's kind
0: of about remorse um okay. and uh you know uh just how you uh kind of build up remorse for things that you've done in your life um mm-hmm. uh uh you know uh, you know whether they caused harm or whether they didn't um and how you know it takes you know it, it's like a backpack you uh, uh uh you know the load just gets heavier and mm-hmm. um uh you know uh, uh basically you know uh, as a metaphor i use different objects like my wife's blouse or her yes. blanket uh, uh or or charles bronson and his big rock but um right. Uh but uh the uh uh, uh uh but it has a weight uh that weighs you down until uh, mm-hmm. you know uh i i I if you're gonna contemplate mortality and this is the first poem mm-hmm. in the chat book, I guess the question to ask is, you know, what is mortality? Is it is it death or is it some kind of a spiritual death? Mm-hmm. And uh, um you know uh uh maybe maybe there's a time where there are just you can't go anywhere or do much because you know you have bitter or sad memories or remorseful memories of uh uh every place i, I mean it seems in some ways um you know uh uh Uh, uh, I guess the more you transgress, the smaller your world gets, so um, Mm -hmm. until it's gone. So uh, uh, that's kind of the uh, main impetus
1: behind the poem. All right, very nice. How does a poem begin for you, my friend, with an idea, a form, or an image? So
0: uh, the answer, I guess, would be all of those. Okay. Uh, that um, that that you know, uh, th- there are two ways I kind of start a poem, and mm-hmm. one is from the head, and one is from the heart. Uh, I have something called uh, I call it the cooler. It's just a little document I have of things. Uh, that I've said during the day uh, or I've overheard it kind of altered a bit uh, uh, you know, that are poetic just little phrases and um, you know, sometimes I'll have an idea for a poem and it'll just kind of come naturally and I'll just write it from the heart and by the heart I mean with a thesaurus and a rhyming dictionary and all of that. Uh, But then I'll go over it with the cooler and see if there's, uh, you know, anything that can be, uh, you know, better, anything that uh, can be more precise. Uh, You know, I want this to be the highest proof possible, extending the metaphor that uh, we talked about uh, before. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's one way. The uh, the other way is uh, because sometimes you don't always have that, uh, you know, inspiration that, uh, you know, it's just a regular day, you're not feeling strong about anything in particular, but to visit the cooler, uh, to visit, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these images you've described uh, uh 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 these metaphors these uh kind of sentences that grab your attention and take one of them and just start writing and see mm-hmm. where it leads you and it will uh eventually link up with the heart and you'll kind of find out what the poem's about and uh then you're inspired uh but oh, wow. So it's, I I, I guess, inspiration and perspiration. Um, All right. (laughs) uh, Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Inspiration and perspiration. Audience, did you hear that? Inspiration and perspiration. Please share another poem. Uh, Sure
0: thing, I will do that. Uh, This poem is called Translucent Times. It's... uh, Similar to the first, Uh, uh, this one is not in the chat book. It's a new poem. Uh, I wish instead of growing old, we would slowly disappear. Rather than talking about grandpa's D-E-A-T-H, the opaque children who squinted to see the old man would be unburdened and face the day with eyes open. But it's best not to stare at the sun, even if you wear shades. Days are long, and life is short, and radiance burns the retina of the enlightened. My silhouette has changed. I cast a wider shadow as the years passed. And people who laugh about the sunbeams I block should pull the beam out of their own eye. And embrace the bright blindness of clarity, since death is all around us, eclipsing the transparent.
1: And that's it. Wow. You know, I'm the kind of guy that likes to hear a poem twice. Because the first time I hear it, I'm listening for, I don't know, the delivery, that kind of thing. Now I want to hear it for the content. Share it one more time, please. Absolutely. I wish instead of growing old,
0: we would slowly disappear. Rather than talking about grandpa's D-E-A-P-H, the opaque children who squinted to see the old man would be unburdened and face the day with eyes open. But it's best not to stare at the sun Even if you wear shades, days are long and life is short and radiance burns the retina of the enlightened. My silhouette has changed. I cast a wider shadow as the years pass and people who laugh about the sunbeams I block should pull the beam out of their own eye and eclipse the bright blindness of clarity since death is all around us, eclipsing the transparent.
1: Do you think that through your poetry, it helps you, and this may be a stretch, but talk to me, that it helps you okay. understand potentially your existential crisis?
0: Um. yeah. Uh, at least it helps me engage it in a way I think that's constructive. At least it helps me get something out of it that's productive and hopefully nice. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe acclimate it to um, maybe acclimate me uh, uh, with it in a way that's, uh not so hostile I think that's that's definitely possible uh I mean uh I you know I'm the kind of guy who uh turns the ship towards uh the storm uh mm. you know because I w- I I want to get through the storm I you know I want to get it over with and that's not a good way to think about that but in terms of maybe fear of uh uh mortality of uh Uh, thanatophobia, you know,
1: I guess maybe that's what I'm trying to do. Well, I want to share for those who may not know what an existential crisis is, and I found a perfect definition. It says the existential crisis can be defined as certain moments in life when people question whether their lives have a clear meaning or purpose or even a value attached to it. It may be common, but it does not necessarily mean we are depressed or having a negative approach to life. We're just questioning what life is. And it sounds mm-hmm. like that you, that's what you're doing through your poetry, questioning what life is. Where you talk about birth and mortality, questioning what life is. Well, let's go back a little bit, all right? Okay. Right. I enjoy okay. talking to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can go to, to the dictionary. <laughs> I love it. All right. <laughs> uh let's go back in your past. What was your right. early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Talk to me. Um, well, uh I was a
0: kid, uh and to give you a bit of background on me, my dad, uh uh was uh a professor of education my mom mm. and they're and, and they're alive they're they're probably listening uh well they're right. they're listening but um uh <laughs> sure. and uh you, you know my mom uh uh was a visual artist uh so you know i grew up in a home where there was a lot of art uh mm-hmm. so i grew up around shell silverstein uh i actually remember uh, beyond that, beyond sort of how I was raised, kind of my first poetic moment. I was thinking about it the other day, and it was when mm-hmm. Michael Jackson's bad came out. <laughs> <And All> right. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I was a very young kid at the time. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't understand it, and I had to ask my parents because mm-hmm. I didn't understand why Michael Jackson
1: wanted to be
0: bad. I mean mm. uh, that's bad. And that's when I learned about figurative language. Um but uh you know uh, going back um uh you know when I was a teenager I discovered Ogden Nash um uh, mm-hmm. and uh uh, you know, I still really like his stuff he's uh untrained, but he does uh, uh, uh but his poems can be uh very thoughtful and especially when you look at the covid pandemic uh and some of his medical poems, a lot of that stuff stands up and uh I think uh, uh coming into adulthood uh, mm-hmm. uh In college, I had a chance to meet uh, a gentleman who was a poet. He was giving a talk, and his name was Sherman Alexie. Um, And I was able to meet with him a bit. And um, one of the things that struck me, since I followed him since meeting him, it was an influential talk, is how sometimes I don't know if I'm doing it subconsciously or unconsciously Uh, but you know I I kind of mimic his tone a little bit that his writing is very dark Uh, you know there are moments uh, you know there are existential moments but there's also Mm -hmm. humor so um, uh, in terms of of where I am and being where I am uh, of uh, those are poetic influences I'd also like to cite some other folks um, yes please uh, uh, Yeah, uh, Nick Cave who's an Australian uh, musician is also a brilliant lyricist uh, and he writes all of this fantastic gloomy stuff uh, uh, that's uh, kind of terrific And, uh, you know, he was an inspiration for this project because um, he is prolific in the amount of stuff that he puts out. And someone asked, well, what happens when you're not inspired? And he just wrote, I write every day and I write until I'm inspired. And, Mm. uh, you know, I've written poetry in the past, But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe if I want to write a chapbook, I should write a poem once a week. And if something doesn't come to me, then I just sit down and I write the poem. Um, So Nick Cave, I think I like wordplay. Um, I think uh, uh, in hip hop, you have the best uh rhyme's poets alive uh, uh lil Wayne is also uh a, a tremendous influence on me uh you know he'll have a rap song and you know he'll have fantastic you know metaphors um you know like uh she ain't no angel I use her halo like the frisbee uh you know stuff like that' Just, just just, terrific, and uh, he'll use, you know, dub, uh, phrases with double, triple, quadruple entendres, uh, and, and I really think it's fantastic. So, um, I guess uh, you could say, you know, so, some of my inspiration comes from uh, pop culture, and some of it comes from the poetic work. Wow, very nice.
1: What I'd like us to do right now is to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I am here with Alexander Poster. And as I share with you, Alexander, this is a call-in show. All right? The call-in number, if you'd like to talk to Alexander, is 646-787-1631. And we have a caller, my friend. We have a caller. Okay. All right. (laughs) I like to (laughs) to bring this person on. The area code is 240 the first three numbers are 215. You're on the air with Alexander. Good evening. Yeah, hi. Good evening. What a great interview so far. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, as I listen, one of the questions I have for uh, for Alex is, it's interesting. He, he sort of, as I was on the line thinking about this question, he sort of segued into it. He had mentioned, um, you know, in terms of the best rhyming poets. And what I was going to ask him was, You know, what is how does he feel about the role of
0: rhyme in poetry? Because, of course, you know, like Shakespeare's time, for instance, you know, things rhymed, and that was part of the craft. But that's so fallen out of favor in the literary world. Now it's, you know, rhymed uh, poetry is something that lives in song lyrics and hip-hop. So um, I guess without being too, too specific, just I would like to hear his thoughts on, uh, you know, the role of rhyming in today's poetry, if it has one. Oh, very. I'll uh, I'll hang up. I'll hang up and listen to his answer. All right then. Uh, Thank uh, you for calling. (laughs) Oh well, first of all, I think that's a terrific question, and it's a question I wrestle with myself. Um, Personally, I like rhymes in poetry, and one of the things, um, um, and um, uh, I guess if you replay the episode. That's different from the first poem I read and the second poem I read uh, is uh, uh, the amount of consonants and assonants in it. And I'm trying to kind of work rhymes in in different ways uh, because uh, they're uh, they have fallen out of favor. But Mm -hmm. I do like rhymed poetry. I do like some of the old forms that really kind of mold and perfect language. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of them. And I wish there was maybe uh, a little more room for them, you know, the chapbooks, a refuge for those uh, who like sad endings, I think. Uh, maybe in literary poetry, there needs to be a refuge for people who like things to rhyme, <laughs> uh, mm. basically. Uh, uh, since um, and let me tell you, it's a challenge to write an unrhymed poem without those yes, rules. Since there are so many places you can go, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, there is something about you know hearing the rhythm in someone's voice and, uh, uh, hearing lines end, uh, you know, with that gratifying symmetry, uh, uh, that I really admire
1: too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. well, uh, so I, okay, great. Continue, please. Uh,
0: so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't, uh, I don't especially have uh, a preference one over the other, but mm-hmm. um uh I think rhymed poetry uh can be terrific, and I think although it isn't as it was in the literary circles uh i I think in popular music, I think in hip hop people have uh actually taken it further than you know where it was you know in the 19th and the start of the 20th century and uh actually done more with it all right
1: please share a poem my friend
0: okay um i will uh do that um so uh since uh, my dad's listening, I thought I'd uh, <laughs> do this one. It's called The Old Man of the Sea. Um, so, uh, The Old Man in the Sea. My father was in his 20s when he ate his first pizza. It just wasn't around when he was a kid. The Italian places served soup and cold sandwiches instead. Then he took heart in the great symbiosis. We made pizza big, and it made us big in return. I was at summer camp, and in a moment of ironic ache, the trip to the water park was canceled by rain, and to satiate the desiccated mouths of a hundred bitter bastards, out came the slices of pepperoni. It was like biting into heaven. But if you bite into heaven, you will be bloated with salt the next day. And your father will allude to your corpulence, and in turn, you will allude to his. The two of us have salted the earth since then. No vegetable can grow. The fields that surround us are fallow. We eat unconcerned. In a world where flavor itself is ephemeral, and a cough assigned a Greek letter fills your lungs until the rain rescinds the daily vagaries and discomforts that for some reason we fight to keep. We enjoy our brackish taste of heaven because hell is soup and cold sandwiches, and we no longer have
1: time for those. And that's it. You know, when you, I'm sorry, when you shared that piece, your voice changed. There was a okay. a, a different kind of power to it. So, what I'd like to know okay. is, what is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice?
0: That's a very good question. Um, uh, I tend to think my written voice is better than my speaking voice. Uh, All right. Uh, that, uh, you know, this interview is structured and it's uh, going well, but making small talk with me, I, I, I find that can be, a, a, I mean, even calling it small talk as a judgment uh, uh, it is kind of difficult, that I'm not sure what to say. I, I'm halting and, I'm kind of awkward, and, and that's one reason, you know, I kind of picked up a pen or a keyboard uh, mm-hmm. or whatever, that, uh, you know, when I get into a groove and, uh, you know, recite something like a poem and get that entire idea out just like mm-hmm. I want it, uh, it's, uh, it, it's very gratifying, and it's something that, doesn't always happen in conversation. Uh, You know, I can, I can be a little nervous, um, you know, especially uh, when I'm talking uh, with, uh, you know, big groups of people. And, uh, you know, if, you know, I'm socializing for more than two or three hours, I'll be like, gosh, let's go home because it's kind of exhausting. Uh, You know, like I, I have to remember, you know, make eye contact with everyone. Uh, 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 You know, like, um, you know, make your anecdote, you know, kind of edgy, but not too edgy and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And with poetry, you really don't have to worry about any of that. It's, Mm -hmm. It's like expressing yourself
1: without that anxiety. Wow. Very, very nicely stated. I really like that because... I had a conversation with someone earlier this week about essence, mm-hmm. true essence, and we both shared that when we recite our works, that's when we feel like our essence is as pure as it can be. During that state when we're sharing, nothing can hurt us, life's incredible, but once the poem is over, that's when the vulnerability sets in again, and that's what makes life difficult oh, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, so I oh, yes. I, I like yes. what you said, Yes. Yes, so it sounds like your essence comes out, your true essence comes out when you're sharing a poem. uh um, I,
0: I, I I'd like to think that uh definitely
1: mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that's true, and I want it to be true. so very I'll nice, very that. nice, very nice. Well, let me ask this question. Do you think you were meant to be a poet?
0: Um, actually, uh, uh yes, I do. Uh uh given what my parents uh did for a living uh before they retired, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my mom in the visual arts and my father writing academic work, uh sort of the hybrid of that would be uh the written word in artful form and that's poetry. Uh I, I think it's just um Uh, uh, I I,
1: I, I think it's really as simple as that. What do you think, Alexander, what surprises you most about being a poet? Um, What surprises me sometimes
0: is uh, how or, or, or what I think people will respond to versus what people actually respond to. And okay. um, I I really don't have an answer for that. It, it's still something mm-hmm. I'm trying to kind of figure out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, like my wife, uh, you know, will say, well, that's a real beautiful poem on something that I was really struggling with. And it'll get a big reaction, but I'll be very invested in writing a poem in a certain form or, you know, uh trying my hand at uh writing a sonnet or something like that. And uh uh, you know, I'll be very pleased with it and, and it won't uh, get uh quite a response when I share it. Um and uh, you know, it's uh uh, uh that that that's kind of eluded me and I guess uh and I mean, I'm not just writing to be successful. I mean, there's self-expression in it, but you want people to get your work. And mm-hmm. I think that's why you just have to sort of keep keep your nose to the grindstone even when you're not inspired because sometimes something that comes from very humble beginnings can connect with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, that's a very good feeling.
1: Well, let's talk about your book just for one more moment. A refuse for those who like sad endings. What did yes. you learn once you completed that book? What did you learn about yourself? Um, what did I learn? That's a good question.
0: Um, I learned that I, there's a lot of introspection in, uh, the chapbook that I didn't think would be there. Okay. Uh, that, uh, that, um, uh, you know, I wrote it, um, I, I didn't want it to be too self-absorbed, although, you know, anytime you write something, I'm a historian, and, you know, I select documents, uh, that have historical value. And I mean, even if, and, uh, you know, the goal is to be, you know, not politically oriented and be, uh, 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 kind of as neutral as possible. But I mean, you're still putting yourself into that kind of work by what you choose, by what you curate, um, you know, even if someone says make a disco playlist, the songs you choose uh mm-hmm. are gonna say something about you even if it's not immediately clear. Um uh so I was trying to keep it like that. Um I like poems with narratives. Uh, mm-hmm. I I I you know, I like poems that take examples out of history and um of uh you know, I, I ended up uh just like the last one, writing about myself and uh my father, uh and you know, being a heavier person, which uh came out a whole bunch of times. Um mm-hmm. and um uh just that it's okay to be introspective in that way and that sometimes people do like to see uh, uh, that part of you, and they do like to see vulnerability as a kind of a style of art. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I learned. Uh, you know, poetry is, uh, you know, one of the few places where you can really kind of write yourself into the narrative and mm-hmm. uh, not, not have it be conspicuous. And uh, uh, I, I, I kind of felt like I was doing more and more of that as uh, the writing process went on.
1: Wow. You know, one more question about your book. When you think about the title of your book, A Refuge for Those Who Like Sad Endings, again, I love that. Give me, if you can, one word that sums up the poems in the book. And explain how that particular word is connected. First, before you do that, I'd like to thank Poetic Hummingbird for that question. All right.
0: Okay. Uh one word uh, to sum up the poems. Um, oh, that's tough. Give me a second. Um, <laughs>
2: All, right.
0: All um, right. Take your time. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. I'll 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 I'll, I'll say cynical. Um, cynical c- tell me more cynical. tell me more uh i i i i, I the, it, because you know they're not all sad um mm-hmm. in that there's uh, that there are bright moments in the poem orson Welles once said, you know i'm not a happy person, but there are moments of joy in my life, and um You know, uh, I think when you sit down and you write something like this, uh, you write it for pleasure. Uh, you know, I don't think people really try to be happy. I think that, uh, and I'm not the first person who has thought of this, but uh, people get pleasure from controlling an emotion and, um, you know uh uh you know if you watch horror movies or you're a goth or whatever you um know what it's like uh uh you know to sort of live in a world of gloom and have that be uh pleasurable uh mm-hmm. so that's an element I- in there along with some of the existential thinking uh i think that um if you're combining the humor and you're uh, looking at the sadness and uh, a sort of the dark tone, uh, when you put them together, um, uh, you, you don't get something that's heartbreaking, but maybe a little cynical that you have humor there that's um, – um, Uh, You know, that isn't universal, but kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, sets itself up against uh, cultural um, uh, sort of cultural cliches and uh, systems that we live in and so forth. And I I think that's the common thread that Mm -hmm. with all that was going on politically at the time, which um uh you know uh um, you know, really kind of made me angry and afraid. Um yes, I, I think when you have, I think when you put anger, fear, and humor together, I think maybe you mm-hmm. get cynicism. Uh I oh. I I guess I guess that's why
1: I chose that word. All right, very nice. You know, now it's time, Alexander. for what I call a poetry mini-concert. So what I'd like okay. you to do for me is to share three poems back-to-back. Three
0: poems back-to-back?
1: Yes. Uh, yes. A mini-concert. Okay.
0: All right. So the first one is going to be called Dolly Dimples. Um, uh, Dolly Dimples. The cause of the mass hysteria was one Celeste Geyer, the fat lady from Ringling Brothers, 588 pounds. Her dress, a big top tent, her big top like a base cleft, dimples as deep holes wedged into the earth that provided a skeleton of shelter, and rolls like the three rings she lived in. The best sideshow of the sideshow. A body soft as a whisper. Lights. Camera. Cake. We stare at her picture, our eyes optimized by a lightsaber. Invisalign smiles, fentanyl patches over our mouths. Lap bands latched securely across our waists. Steps enumerated as we dance to Big Girl, You Are Beautiful, locked in our room as our parents scream about getting a divorce. Praying for a heaven of mathematics and metadata with a degree prerequisite. Inert and lifeless, like a noble gas. No patience for a woman who did her bodybuilding in the kitchen. Each show. She declined three marriage proposals and treat her lover to a resplendent dinner for four. The audacity of us to wish her well. Wow, that's uh, that's the end of the first one. Um, uh, I will. Um, uh, the second one's a bit darker, and um, um. It's called Black and White and Red all over. I wrote it after some certain recent events. It's a new poem. It's not in the chat book. It is a reminder that we are all born red, the fur of placenta covering black and white, blood zebras, because coagulation is better than camouflage. But some of us emerge from the bath like fire engines still. The alarms and the clamor too hard to ignore, the black strap in the dresser drawer, as conspicuous as a rhyme. Now is the time for camouflage. The lion sleeps in the mighty jungle because it devours as we carry on with the quarry in a pile. The prey is our own. The killer spoke in a bigoted baritone we moaned conspicuously in time for the morning news cycle. To sob about the crimson man with the gun and the red stripes it made, weeping a bitter baptism against bizarre martyrs. Our faces flushed ruddy in anger as the red lions multiply the pile and we left. And um, let me give you a third one. All right. Yeah. Uh, This one's called Apollo 1-6. The stain of beetroot on my hands as I hammered the Centurion into negative space remains unsanitized. All astronauts have blue eyes. The spaceman with the round moon face, proclaimed, demanded, one small step for a man, a proud man, a gilded man, an armored man, a man in stacked formation, a man rabid, foaming bullets inside the atrium, a man who sullies his hands but remains incorruptible. He brought loaves and fishes and an Amplifier, and promised us dreams in still images only of an unchanging topography like Mars, a shining city on Olympus Mons, we prayed and tore our raiment at the moonlight of his visage. He will launch. He will rise. <laughs> because I gouged the centurion. Because we died for his sins. But fruit, when it sits in its own juices, tends to putrefy. Damn spot. These rancid, ruddy hands now reap with iniquity. But still, they will stain any white flag that, in weakness, I may wave into the blackness
1: of space. And that's the end of the third. All right. Thank you, sir. You know, here's another question generated by Poetic Hummingbird, and I like this one. You know, there are a million poetry books, million poetry chapbooks, manuscripts. What do you think Alexander makes your poetic voice different? What do you bring to the table? Um. Well, um, uh,
0: that that's a good question, and uh, you know, in history. Um, uh, you know, when you're writing it, uh, it, it's similar to the "so what" question. You tell a story, mm-hmm. and very fairly, someone asks, uh, "You know, so what?" Uh, since there are a lot of chapbooks filled with kind of depressing poems, and I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess my I, I I guess my answer is history. That okay, um, you know, it's a slice of life. At a very particular time, I guess, in American and world history, that if even if you don't like it as, uh, uh, you know, for its poetry, if it's something you don't care for, I hope that you can enjoy it kind of as an artifact of uh, the attack on the Capitol or an active shooter or even me describing uh you know someone who lived uh you know fifty sixty years ago um mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, in the poems I just read um uh that um you know it's it's a snapshot uh of a particular point of view uh uh for someone who lives in a particular place and does a particular thing and i think that contributes to its uniqueness i'm not going to Mm. say that stylistically uh you know i'm reinventing the wheel i'm not but Mm -hmm. uh hope but hopefully um what comes across is kind of uh well not a still image of mars but a, a still image of uh uh you know, uh, a distinct place and time and uh, trying to capture it, uh, you know, in verse rather than sort of in kind
1: of stayed prose. Mm -hmm. You know, I think another thing that comes across in your work in terms of what you bring to the table is that sense of vulnerability. Because it sounds like you've seen some things, you've experienced some things. During the pandemic, Mm -hmm. you're focused there. So the vulnerable part, I think, is very important. The cathartic part is very important. So, again, you bring a lot to the table. That, to me, is what makes your poetic voice different. Those things. And also, too, they're based on your lived experience, not based on anybody else's. They're yours. So that makes it different in itself. Mm -hmm very nice. I
0: think, very, you, very nice thank you very much thank you very much for that thank you
1: yes um, yes i i enjoy your work
0: um uh, again it, it was a bit of a challenge putting uh some vulnerability into these poems but i i think mm-hmm. it i think it paid off paid off honestly
1: <laughs> all right you know yeah. again so much is happening in our world good friend so much mm-hmm. is happening What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? Well, A poet can have
0: so many roles. I mean, a poet, I'd like to think that the fellows in Congress and uh, the people at the White House, they argue out these deals, um, you know, in in prose, uh, in very lawyerly prose. uh, And then they send the bills up the hill, and they go through committee in this very technical way uh, that, through my job, I'm familiar with. Um, But the way they communicate that to people is often poetic, that the way we are ruled and the way that we speak to our rulers has a ton of poetry in it, and uh, I, I, I will say I voted for Hillary Clinton uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a Hillary supporter. I'm not a Trump supporter. Uh, but one thing that concerned me, even before I started writing this chapbook in uh, that 2016 election was that Hillary Clinton spoke in prose and Donald Trump tended to speak in poetry. Mm. Uh by Bible, Bible, held up high, puts it down, and then he lies, lying intent. You know, he may have borrowed a little from William Blake there, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's actually engaging his crowd with poetry. And, uh, you know, Barack Obama did that. Uh, George W. Bush did that with uh, some... Uh, uh uh uh, so, uh w- with a lot of biblical metaphors and mm-hmm. i mean e- even if you look back at older politics i mean where's the beef which is a commercial slogan but it's also a metaphor is uh y- y- you know became a slogan for a political campaign uh that uh basically it's uh you know how I guess in this kind of society uh we live in uh, uh that's how uh you know our officials speak to us, and uh you know when we protest and uh we petition, we do it very often in poetry. you can surround a building and chant
1: a rhyme um mm-hmm. it's 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 everywhere. Wow. You know, we're almost at the end of our poetic journey together. Actually, I don't really want it to end because you make Mm. me think, and I like that. I like that a lot. I really, really do. You just don't know how much I like that. But we have time for one more poem, my friend. Favor us one more time. This is your showstopper, Uh, all right? (laughs) All right,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, And uh, luckily, I, I, I still have one. Um, all right, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, this is a true story. Um, um, it's a historical event I wrote a poem about, and um, I've it definitely happened. I've heard about 20 versions of what happened, uh, they're all different, and of uh, I just decided, uh, you know, uh, with the liberties you can take with poetry to uh, kind of choose the story I wanted. Um, but it's called Collateral Damage, A True Story. People only fight when they think, not when they fight. And the best fight in both senses of the word took place in 1967. The favorite, a man who did everything like he was killing snakes, Senator Jim Webb. The long shot, a man who with will alone fought the law and won, Colonel Oliver North. Both, midshipmen at Annapolis who boxed with the salty coarseness of a midshipman at Annapolis, neither willing to cede half the day to the other. Webb, a phalanx, could step outside himself and slap you, then return to his shield wall of gristle and sinew. North, shivering with rawness, gloves rolling in impossible crescents, red and stinging like frostbitten hands. Webb fired his cannons. You could hear the flesh sizzle before it hurt. His rival, undeterred, followed his own compass and led a ceaseless, tenebrous charge until his own skin was as dark as a Rembrandt. They kept treading water like this for 15 fucking rounds, cartridges brimming. They were senseless, and the crowd was thick. Then, a fight broke out. The senator stood in uffish thought, put his warpal sword down in mercy, and surrendered to the colonel, whose heart, beaten purple, was about to stop, even if he wouldn't. It wasn't supposed to end this way. I don't even know who really won. In real fights, nobody dies. In real fights, satisfaction is neither demanded nor achieved. The senator and the colonel shook hands after the best fight ever and then went off to war.
1: And that's the last one. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is a powerful piece.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh I want to stress that this fight at the naval academy uh mm-hmm. did happen, and people you know uh, uh fifty years uh uh, uh, uh uh fifty years who saw it fifty years ago still remember it um mm-hmm. and uh uh you know it just kind of transfixed me because of the trajectories both of uh both of the boxes went on
1: after that. Yes, You know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write primarily because to stay silent is not an option. Alexander, Mm -hmm. why do you write, my friend? Uh,
0: I think uh, the the, the latter, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. staying silent is not an option, you know. um. When conversation can kind of be difficult and uh, you want to express how you feel about something or show uh, uh, an event that, you know, might not be important historically but is darn interesting uh, or um, reflect your vulnerability uh, about something that uh, uh, would be difficult to do in plain speech uh you know i found poetry very cathartic for this and as i've mentioned i've written poems before this project i'm writing mm-hmm. them after this project and continuing and uh, uh uh you know i i think sometimes um even if you don't want to get up on a soapbox or share mm-hmm. a poem with people like it like it's like it is a way to speak out uh and it's a way to speak out in a way that's um uh, th- that in some ways can uh needle you a bit uh but in other ways protect you um uh it, it, it it's kind of like being in a womb that's just a little too small, you know mm. um uh uh but yeah, it's um. Uh, you know it's for me speaking out in i guess the best way that
1: i can all right mm. well well stated now your book your manuscript your book is ready to go all you need is yeah. a publisher am i correct that's
0: that's right
1: there's art uh uh there's art
0: in it uh done by the fantastic Michelle Morgan. Um, it's uh, it, it's already um, and uh, you know we had a bunch of people call in uh, on this show. Uh, th- there's some interest. Uh, if someone wants to give me a chance, I'm uh, you know I'm right here.
1: So um, well, we need we need to make it happen somehow. I'm yeah. going to see what I can do. We need to make Thank it happen. You so Your work needs you. to get out there. needs to get out there. So, again, finally, where can listeners, how can listeners stay in touch? Um, well,
0: my email, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it out on, on the radio, okay. is mm-hmm. alex.poster at gmail.com. Uh, I have an Instagram, which is alex.poster it's not particularly poetic, it's pictures of food but um uh you know uh uh just uh drop me an email uh and uh if you're interested and uh believe me, you know, I get all sorts of email about uh 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 stuff from work that's uh you know uh i i'm not going to say what i do is dull it's not but it's mm-hmm. stuff that i've been getting for 10 years um mm-hmm. so uh you know an email about poetry would uh, would would really kind of brighten my day uh, <laughs> uh you know I, I i i it's something i'd like to get um you know i i i, I don't believe in Uh, uh, gatekeeping or blowing people off Mm -hmm. so um, Mm -hmm. if you have a question or if something I said uh, uh, you know you found inspirational or it made you
1: mad uh, you know (laughs) I'm I'm happy to have that conversation very nice very nice so what's next Alexander you've written this book we're going to find you a publisher what happens next where do you go from here
0: uh well I have about 10 poems at this point that I've written uh on on my own afterwards uh, mm-hmm. and, uh you know I'm still keeping up with it uh, uh they're not as directly uh, or, or sort of they're not as focused uh thematically uh as a refuge for those who like sad endings Uh, Some of them don't even have sad endings, Uh, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I'd like to, you know, get those poems in in a collection too. And uh, we had that question about uh, uh, rhymed versus unrhymed poetry and Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, some of the newer stuff uh, I I read, I hope folks can tell that I'm trying to uh, integrate a little more rhyme into it and a little more wordplay. play.
1: All right. Well, we've reached the end of our poetic journey. All right. I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much because I learned so much just listening to you talk. Well, thank you. I, I really did, and uh, that's why I think you're going to go far. Because not Thank only are you you're a great poet, you also share a message. And that's what people need. They need a message. That life can be tough sometimes, but there's also some beauty in it. But it can be mm-hmm. tough sometimes, and it's okay to acknowledge that. That's okay. That's, that's okay. a great way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any words you'd like to share to the listeners before we go?
0: Um, well I, I'd like to say to anyone uh, 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 you know who's listening in um, thank you uh, uh, thank you for your questions and um, uh, you know you made the uh, uh, you made the show uh, 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 for, for me interesting and uh, offered some different perspectives and uh, even, and uh, if you just uh, uh, tuned in just to listen to me, I really appreciate that. And uh, All right. uh, uh, yeah, I'm grateful. All
1: right. All right. All right, good people. We are at the end of another program. I'd like to thank my guest, Alexander Poster. Incredible name, by the way. Uh, That's Star Power right there. (laughs) That's a great (laughs) name. Uh, Star Power. (laughs) All right, everyone. As you know, I share every week that poetry rings somewhere throughout the land. Until next time, I'm Michael Anthony Ingram, and good night. Good night, Alexander. Good night. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online
0: Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at
1: qlpor.com.